Greetings, hempsters. Thank you for tuning in to another hemp episode of Hemp Aware Radio. Hemp entrepreneurs and companies are challenged with too many opportunities and distractions. And at Hemp Aware, we provide strategic marketing and brand design so they can transform the world with their hemp products and services and experience the growth, success, and fulfillment that they deserve. My name is Tyler Hemp here, your hemp entrepreneurial host. Here to hemp power and hemp educate your hemisphere as usual because you know it's important for food, for our homes, clothing, energy, healing, and so much more. And on today's hemp educational show, I'm honored and delighted to have a longtime colleague and an original hempster, as I like to say, Chris Boucher of farmtiva.com. And Chris is not new to the hemp entrepreneurial journey. So I'm excited to share his perspective and wisdom with, um, you know, hemp as it relates to succeeding with a, a lifestyle brand. This is an amazing product that he's got on the market. Uh, but we're going to share a little bit about his history and what led him up to working with uh, hemp in the way that he does today and um, get into this amazing whole hemp, super nutrient-dense, 100% water-soluble uh, powder product that he's got now. And so thank you so much, Chris. I'm so excited for you to be on the show today. Well, thank you, Tyler. It's a pleasure to be on and great to hear your voice and just really excited to be here today. Nice. So for our listeners that don't know who you are, maybe um, tell me a little bit about your history and what led you up to working with hemp. I know you've been in the industry over 30 years and worked in several sectors as far as marketing, sales, uh, farming, product development. You've done so many amazing things over the years, but maybe tell us a little bit about kind of your roots, where you came from, and what led you up to being introduced to hemp in the first place? Yes, that's a good question, (laughs) and I'll try to make it brief for 30 years. Uh, Originally, um, I found out about hemp in 1990 in Van Nuys at Captain Ed's. Uh, it was a head shop. I sold backpacks and bags made out of cotton. And a gentleman in the store asked me to sign a petition to legalize hemp. Um, I did not know what hemp was. I said, what's hemp? And he basically said, here's a book that I wrote. My name is Jack Hera, and I'm the author of The Emperor Wears No Clothes. And let me tell you about hemp. So this is about 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I left the store about 8 or 9 o'clock that night. Jack went through every chapter, told me, you know, everything that I had learned was a lie, and uh, he told me all about hemp and the history of the United States and the world. And uh, just basically my life changed from that day in 1990. I went home. um, I told everybody I was going to make all my bags and backpacks out of hemp. Um, I wasn't really good at articulating um, making clothing from marijuana, cannabis, hemp, because nobody knew what it was. Nobody heard the word because it was scrubbed from all of our history books. So um, everyone had to start from fresh. So anyways, I started one of the first hemp companies in 1990 called the Hempstead Company. We made hats, bags, wallets, backpacks, jackets, clothes, you name it. We were in about four or 5,000 stores in about probably 12 different countries. Um, and it was pretty successful, and it was just uh, an amazing time. And, uh, you know, Jack was my mentor. Um, I ended up being the best man at his wedding. I mean, this guy just taught me everything I know today. I'm a, 
I would say a disciple of Jack. <laughs> um, I'm also the, uh, one of the co-founders of the HIA, the Hemp Industries Association. We founded it in 1992. It was called the True Hemp Industry. However, in 1994, our annual meeting, um, uh, hemp had gotten really big by then, and hemp, um, uh, we had a big annual meeting, and people came, and they didn't like the word true hemp. They wanted to use the word industrial. So I, early on, we kind of, that was our first battle of, do we call it industrial hemp or we call it true hemp? Because the United States government calls it true hemp. And uh, um, during that time, I had grown hemp in China, Romania, Hungary, Poland. I'd been all over the world, mainly Eastern European countries and China were the only people that really still grew hemp. And um, we got involved with the hemp seed and hemp seed oil in the late 90s. And uh, that really took off. And we're like, wow, this is going to be the next superfood. And in 2000, the DEA uh, decided to outlaw hemp foods, hemp granola bars, hemp protein powder. I mean, even hemp lotions and shampoos. I had a couple containers that were seized by the federal government because they had hemp seed oil in the lotion. So um, mm-hmm. that, that's where the big battles began. It was a major lawsuit, the HIA versus the DEA. Um, and uh, at that time, it was very controversial because it really destroyed a lot of businesses. There were some very successful businesses. I think it was uh, Richard Rose, Hemp Nut. There were several people that just they were put out of business because of this. So it took about four years for this court. Uh, the DEA lost in the Ninth Court of Appeals. Um, that was 2004, but by that time they had really decimated the whole industry. And uh, you know, fast forward um, in about 2011, um, I was hired by a company called Medical Marijuana Inc. Hemp Meds, and they asked me to help them write a legal opinion. And I'm not a lawyer, but through my battles with the federal government and hemp, I kind of knew what the CSA Controlled Substance Act was about. And I, I was hired to uh, help draft a legal opinion called Hemp CBD is legal in all 50 states. I didn't think it was going to work. <laughs> I was a little skeptical, but once I uh, helped uh, do some of the research, I said, wait a sec, yes, CBD is a main constituent of hemp. Um, and by, by 2012, I was kicked out of the hemp industry. The HIA, Vote Hemp, they said, look, this is a scam. There's no such thing as CBD from hemp. And I was like, wow, what's going on here? And again, you know, we're, sometimes we're ignorant of the facts. We don't understand. And so we really, you know, it was kind of devastating to be kicked out of the industry you started because you yeah. wrote a legal opinion, hemp CBD is legal. Um, sure enough, um, people caught on to it. And by 2013, 14, they said, well, maybe you're right. Wow, this could be the biggest thing to ever happen to hemp in the history of America, and sure was. CBD basically <laughs> shot to the moon. Thousands of companies were formed, and um, it, it's just been an incredible journey. Um, I've been involved in a couple startup companies, uh, Hemp Meds, um, CV Sciences. I designed all their product and imported all the original CBD oil and um, and so forth and so on. And then in 2017, we started our own company, once California legalized farming for hemp, that's when we started Farm Kiva, um, and we started breeding hemp seed for CBD, hemp seed for fiber, 
And then the last two years, we've been developing this new super hemp food product that is a game changer for the industry. So totally. In nutshell, get into I, mm-hmm. Yeah, in a hemp nutshell, you had another thought or final thought on that? Oh, oh I said in, in a nutshell, that's kind of my 30 years I just skipped through and uh, – you know, we, we missed a few things with the Native American uh, passing uh, uh, industrial hemp on the reservations in uh, 1999, you know, almost 20-something mm-hmm. years ago. And right. so uh, a lot of things were developed over the years, but um, it, it's been a great journey. I've met so many people, even like yourself, and we were all activists in the beginning, uh, mm-hmm. environmentalists, and, and, and that's how this movement started. You know, mm-hmm. if, if you were in the hip industry back in the 90s, um, you were a freak. You are a weirdo. And a lot of people just kind of walked away. They're like, what? Yeah. You know, it was just kind of – I didn't care because I knew the truth and I believed it. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, definitely oh, yeah. scared people away. For sure. Yeah, we've come a long way. I think I met you for the first time in 2005 at an HIA conference in San Francisco or something or through Michael M. and and uh, – you know, just being in SoCal, Orange County, born and raised, I, I think bumped shoulders with a lot of your friends and uh, like Magi, you know, just so many of the original hempsters. So it's really amazing to uh, see how far it's come. And I'm super excited about your most recent product. You know, I've always been excited about the whole hemp, whole hemp plant nutritional aspect and, and juicing this plant is so cutting edge. I mean, you're just getting those concentrated nutrients and you guys have a proprietary technology that you're using to develop it um so we'll get there in just a moment kind of into the nitty-gritty details of your product but i'd love to talk a little bit more about you as a hemp entrepreneur as a business owner what would you say are some of the challenges that you've experienced personally owning a hemp company and how were you able to overcome some of those challenges Yes, I mean, the first thing is really developing a product, developing an end product uh, that you're going to sell to the consumer. If you're going to be into the, you know, business to consumer, B2C, or if you're going to be into business to business. And so developing that product and trying to market it, I mean, these days it's, you know, definitely a a lot more savvy than it used to be. Um, You know, we used to do the trade shows uh, um, and, and just really do the distribution channels and, create the sales funnels, um, you know, creating sales reps in different regions of the country. And, you know, it, it, it takes a lot of time and money to develop a product that you have nationwide distribution. So it really depends on how big you want your product to go, how far you want it to go, and that kind of determines on what kind of work you have to put into it uh, to get it into those distribution channels and sales funnels. For sure. But my so really, is, you know, mm-hmm. if you're starting out, you know, you create the concept, you create the idea, and, you know, you have your end product and what's the demographics, who is this product targeted to, and, mm-hmm. and then really laying down the road to how you're going to get it into, you know, thousands of stores. Like I said, in the nineties, we were in over 4,000 stores. That's um, it was, it, it, to me, it was pretty simple. We just went to the trade shows and we were in, you know, we made hemp surfboards. So we were in surf shops. We were in head shops. 
mm-hmm. uh, music stores. So in the 90s, you know, a head shop that sold tie-dyes and rock and roll T-shirts, they sold hemp. Because in the 90s, you couldn't get a Led Zeppelin or an Aerosmith or a Grateful Dead concert shirt at a Target or a Kmart. That was, you know, devil stuff. Yeah. Even tie-dyes were considered drug. You would never sell a tie-dye in a big box store because it represented um, drug culture. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, back then... You know, head shops were million-dollar stores, and they were everywhere in every town, every city, and mm-hmm. uh, they kind of dissipated with the downfall of the whole music industry and everything. Right. So, so being a business owner, some of the challenges you've experienced and what you've learned is, is number one, it sounds like really identify your product. Get, get your product nailed in. Understand your product, uh, what makes it unique from other products on the market. And then I think you said number two is – understand your target market, who is this product for, and then number three, developing those pathways to deliver that product to the customer. So for you guys, you went to trade shows, just word of mouth, and uh, these mom and pop shops, head shops, and uh, surf shops, you were able to just connect with them through live events and and getting yourself in front of them. Um, So thank you. Those those are key ingredients to uh, succeeding with hemp. Yeah, face-to-face, there's nothing that measures up better in marketing than face-to-face. So in the early Mm -hmm. 90s, I would get in my car and my van, and I would fill it up with hemp, and I would drive from San Diego to Seattle. And I would Mm -hmm. stop in every store from, you know, Laguna Beach to Santa Mm -hmm. Barbara to Santa Cruz, and I went to every single store. We didn't have cell phones back then, so I'd have to either call ahead pull into a gas station and use the pay phone. Yeah. I spent two or three weeks, and I was like, wow, mm-hmm. every shop I went into, I sold. I just opened up 50 or 60 shops in, you know, uh, a week. And then I did the same thing on the East Coast. I drove from Maine down to Key West and wow. just went to every single head shop. And once they knew you, you could eventually call them and get orders. Yeah. You didn't have to go there right. every time. but. Mm-hmm. It was that face-to-face energy that really, I believe, really helped us solidify the success of mm-hmm. our business. And of course, the trade shows where everybody shows up. So, you know, mm-hmm. that was that was our core foundation back then. And you know, nowadays it's definitely having, you know, really good, uh, you know, internet marketing and, oh yeah, uh, you know, definitely knowing, you know, how to. Um, you know, do mass mailers and all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. Good copywriting, the social media, email marketing. I mean, there's so much available these days for hemp entrepreneurs that if people like you and I could make it back then, it's, it's uh, I would say, exponentially easier to, to get the job done. But then, of course, more people are in it, more people are on the planet. So you do have to be unique and, and different, and which is what, you know, we help people with at Hemp Aware Marketing. But you've offered bags, you've offered clothing, you've helped make hemp surfboards, you've farmed hemp yourself. Tell me a little bit about this new whole hemp plant, uh, freeze-dried, or um, I'm not sure how you would describe it, but it sounds like such an amazing water-soluble, bioavailable product. Um, Tell me a little bit about this new product and and why you guys chose to, uh, to market this type of product. Yes, as we know, the hemp plant is is you know it's considered a super plant, super food, and and it's um, 
has all the nutrients and minerals, and it's like, how do you access it? So, you know, what we do, we've developed a, uh, an SLP and a proprietary process where, you know, we fresh harvest pick the plant right on the field. Um, we put it in plastic bins. We've got reefer trucks, refrigerator trucks on the field, just like you do with lettuce and, you know, arugula, and we keep it nice and cold right off the field. Um, we, we take it to our juicer. We're doing, you know, tens of thousands of pounds of juice at a time. Macerate it. We press it uh, into a fresh-pressed, cold-pressed juice. Um, and then we sub-zero freeze it. We freeze it, and um, we, we take that, and then we use this. Um, um, it's a freeze-drying process, but we've developed this atmospheric pressure tanks that we're able to um, bring down uh, the temperatures and slowly maintain and stabilize all the cannabinoids, all the nutrients. Um, it's like a fresh food. So, I mean, we're, we're having um, up to 25 to 27 milligrams of CBDA per gram. And one of the big issues in the CBD industry is that when you process CBDA with ethanol or CO2, um, you basically decarboxylate the CBDA and it turns to CBD. Um, mm -hmm. It's really hard to isolate and stabilize CBDA. Some people are doing it with an isolate, but this way here within the plant, it's a full broad spectrum of the entire plant that's water soluble through this process. Now this process was developed for the military actually, and you know, um, you know, again, you know, a lot of stuff has come from the military in terms of mm -hmm. technology. So this technology was designed to deliver. Uh, fresh, fast nutrients, minerals, vitamins to frontline soldiers, you know, um, the, the food supply chain um, to bring food to the front of a war is really difficult. And so they were able to um, contain, like I said, the nutrients and the vitamins and the minerals in a way that um, these people could have access to good fresh type food without it going bad and mm -hmm. so when we powderize when we when we freeze dry it it turns into a crystal if you look at it, it might look like a powder but if you take it under a microscope they're crystals mm -hmm. and um and, and it, like i said it stabilizes everything it, it, and it's a lipolization process which basically mm -hmm. ensures that this powder is water soluble it dissolves in water and on top of that, it has one of the highest bioavailability, which, you know, absorption of the nutrients, the enzyme profile of the plant, straight into the body. Um, and so this to me, and I think to the whole world, is another food that we can have from the plant. Some people have freeze-dried the plant, but it does not... Um, have the nutrient profile or the CBDA carbolic acid um, profile as this process. And, right. um, you know, and, and it's quite interesting um, with some of the new research that's come out from Oregon State University, some of the PubMed published uh, news, uh, periodical scientific uh, papers that have been published on CBDA. And 
it's a functional food. So you'll, mm-hmm. you're going to see it in, you know, every, whether it's um, uh, beverages, whether it's, um, you know, bread, um, you, you name it. It could be candies. It could be any type of product that you could think of. You could put this in there. And it's probably my next question is kind of who is this product ideal for? Um, how are you packaging it? And then, you know, who, who are your ideal clients or customers? Who would this product be ideal for? And then what applications would they put it in? You said breads or maybe uh, tinctures or gummies, th- things like that. What, what other products might they use this in? Uh, you could use it in a tea, like uh, uh, matcha tea. It could be a great tea. It could be a cold beverage. You could put it in your smoothies. You could put it in satchels. You just pour it in. Um, you know, it would be great for juice bars, health food stores. Um, I don't know if you've heard that commercial, Super Beets. Get your Super Beets. So uh, the powderized crystal freeze-dried vegetables and fruits are really popular now because it's mm-hmm. – we know it's a, scientifically a great way to deliver bioavailable nutrients, right. and in this case, cannabinoids, into mm-hmm. the body. With the entourage effect of being in harmony with the other phytonutrients and trace minerals, ultra-trace minerals, and other nutrients that support those cannabinoids in the delivery system with the enzymes and all of that. It's just a magical product, it sounds like. So yes, the how are you Yes, go ahead. So we package it in like one pound, five pound, twenty pound, and thirty pound bags. Mm-hmm. And we're not we're just basically um, selling into the supply chain. Um, we're not consumer based. Um, mm-hmm. we're, we've got a couple big companies that are going to be launching it soon. Um, mm-hmm. And so we're that's kind of where my expertise in farming and product development and supply chain. You know, I've been pretty much doing that my whole life. So um, mm-hmm. I decided not to go into the, you know, consumer end of the market. It's just a lot of work, a lot of money. Sure. And there's already big, there's some big brands out there now that, I mean, they're, everyone's going to have to have a hemp juice powder in their line. It just doesn't make sense yeah. not to. If you're oh, selling yeah. a CBD, why not have a CBDA? And mm-hmm. there's isolate out there. It's uh, some of the CBD isolate, CBDA, but isolate's not bioavailable. It's just it's right. it's not a functional food. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. uh, it's a pharmaceutical. It's a, it's, it's, it's exactly. a segregated molecule. Mm-hmm. You don't find it in nature like that. So no. that's super cool. So you, you, your main focus is working with other companies that have a product line. So you can offer wholesale bulk pricing, and then they can do their own formulations and kind of start experimenting with it, see how it works in their formulas. What would you say are, are the top like three benefits that your customers would get from from using this product? I mean, you already mentioned bioavailability, which is huge, but if you were to say there is um, you know three top benefits that that uh, the customers using this product, what would they experience? Yes. So, I mean, one one of the big, um, I, I think, functions and in, in, in really scientific studies have shown that CBDA has a hundred times the affinity um, for the, it's called the 5-HT receptor compared to CBD. 
So we're talking 100 times the affinity compared to CBD. And one reason why that the CBD has a greater bioavailability is that the body can metabolize the compound with less effort and less time. Um, in, in some cases, it would be great for depression, um, which basically helps regulate the serotonin and uh, reuptake the inhibitors. And it, I think it would be great for that. Also, um, it's an anti-inflammatory. It, you know, is, was in one scientific published paper, they said it was like a 20x Tylenol in terms of um, mm. inflammation and, and things of that nature. And at the same time, um, it also, um, with the nutrient uptake, it becomes a functional food. So, you know, if you're a health nut and you're into, you know, healthy foods and you're trying to get, um, you know, the proper nutrients, um, this is it. You know, this is definitely um, a product that would anyone that's into health and looking mm -hmm. for the next superfood, this is it. So like a, a, super a bodybuilding company? Mm-hmm. Like if there was yes. a protein product and they wanted to do a hemp protein-based formula, they could blend it maybe with a little monk fruit or some other um, kind of natural flavor, plant-based, and then throw in this whole plant crystallized uh, CBDA. It would just make it a whole well-rounded product. And if you're doing a lot of bodybuilding, you know that your muscles get sore. So it's kind of like not only are you getting that protein, but you're getting the anti-inflammatory benefits and so it sounds like it'd be really uh, well-received and, and blend well with other kind of powderized products. Is that accurate? Yes, it's, yes. It's, so it's, you could say it's, um, it, um, it interacts um, by inhibiting um, certain enzymes in the body that are associated with inflammation after an injury. Well, let's say mm -hmm. you're working out, your muscles get stretched out. Um, and then, you know, it definitely relieves inflammation and pain. I mean, we cannot publicize that. You know, you can't make any medical claims. Mm -hmm. and, and I'm not making that about the product online here, but I'm reading or just giving you uh, some of the scientific information that was published. Because mm -hmm. what we're seeing now, people are making medical claims. And I was trained in dietary supplement industry not to make medical claims because um, you're not allowed to do that, and uh, we see a lot of that happening. But uh, I yeah. always tell people, go out and, and read the published scientific uh, peer review. Pub, go to PubMed.com or PubMed.gov, and it's amazing some of the new studies that have come out on CBDA. Right. And CBGA, which is the next molecule. But, uh, yeah, this um, this product, this functional food, I mean, it's up to your imagination of how you could use it. Well, like I said, whether it's in, you know, um, your smoothie in the morning or it could be in a tea. Could we even have somebody putting in an ice cream? Um, mm. I mean, it, the list goes on. As long as it's not heated above 160 or 70 degrees Fahrenheit, it's very stable. And it has about a two- to four-year shelf life, um, mm -hmm. and it's stable under 72 degrees Fahrenheit, um, dark space that it's um could be stored so it has a great mm -hmm. shelf life yeah for sure so where can people get a hold of some of this how would they um maybe order a pound or five or ten what's the best way to get a hold of you place an order yes uh farmtiva.com and we have a link right there and you can reach out to us and the product's just launching 
And I believe also you're going to be able to sell it also on your website. Yeah, um, you can either reach out to me directly, Bulk Hemp Warehouse, or give us a call at 805-410-4367 or go directly to Chris. And either way, you'll get, you'll get the same pricing if you go to him or work with us. So it sounds like a really great deal. Um, so what, um, what would someone expect to invest in a product like this? Yes, so it ranges from like one pound is $350 a pound. If you get uh, the five or 10 pounds, they're uh, 300. You start getting into the 20 pounds, they go down to $250, $250 a pound. And so, you know, we're just really trying to make it as affordable as possible. When you break down a pound and how many milligrams of CBDA you're going to get per gram, I mean, it's it's less expensive than anything on the market today. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. And with the nutritional profile it just i mean it's yeah there's nothing that compares right now on the market especially in north america like you said so i'd love to kind of shift gears a little bit in terms of your overall perspective on you know what are some of the most important aspects of industrial hemp in your mind as it relates to humanity and our environment you know, that was always the number one question from the day we started. And it was just, you know, uh, the CO2, uh, to sequester CO2 per acre, cleaning the soil. And, you know, our country started out, you know, anything that you can make from a petroleum molecule, you can make from a carbohydrate. So we need to go back to this carbohydrate-based economy where, you know, um, whatever it's our clothing, our our uh, construction materials, our fibers, you know, we've gone to this synthetic world that's really wreaking havoc. I mean, and, and I think that hemp could replace so many different products that are contributing to the environmental damage, you know, um, of this earth. And whatever the discharges are, whether it's soaps and or fibers, um, fuel, construction materials, glues, paints, you name it. I mean, we've just scratched the surface, you know, and, and, and as you know, you know, Jack was the preacher of this, and he wrote this book, The Emperor Wears No Clothes. Mm-hmm. And I tell people, don't even get into the business until you read The Emperor Wears No Clothes. Because you need to understand, yeah, The Emperor Wears No Clothes on the hemp, and it's the only way to really grasp what I'm saying or grasp the potential of what hemp can do. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I mean, it was so important to this country at one time. You could pay your taxes with it yeah. and um, <laughs> with the fiber, not not the not the flour. Yeah, so, of course. Um, and as Jack used to say, you know, eventually it's going to be all pot. You know, you'll grow your fiber, you'll have your THC. We didn't know about CBD back then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, you know, so you can imagine our ancestors that were growing hemp here, they were not throwing away the flower and the leaves. They were using that in, in their home home remedies and their medicines. Mm-hmm. So right. um, it was, it, it's a dual crop. And, and I'm seeing a lot of people, oh, let's just grow fiber, fiber. Well, one of the big things I've learned is the Europeans and the Chinese, you know, they've been growing this a lot longer than we have. And so especially in Europe, 
the most successful fiber hemp companies, they grow a dual crop. They have CBD buds on top, and then they have the fiber below because the farmer needs to make money. And what's happened is the farmer is the one that gets the shaft on this thing. So we want to make sure as we move forward that a farmer is going to want to grow it. You know, does he want to grow a crop? Yeah, just because it's the most environmental crop in the world. But if he's only getting $400 an acre uh, for his fiber, it doesn't make sense. He's going to grow alfalfa or cotton or another crop that he's going to make $1,000 an acre. So Mm -hmm. um, what the Europeans do, um, the guys in the Netherlands, the guys in the Czech Republic, they cut all the tops off, and the farmers make an extra four or $500 an acre. And that's where it makes mm-hmm. sense. It's a dual crop. If you're going to grow hemp, you might as well get as many products out of it as you can. And right. there's still a stigma, oh, the CBD or, you know, cannabis. And, and, and we have to get rid of that, like, radioactive type, you know, uh, psychology of the plant. Mm-hmm. It's all yeah. beneficial. And who does yeah. it benefit? The farmer. The farmer first. And I'd like yeah. to make a shout-out to um, the farming group that I'm involved in. We started uh, the Hemp Farmers Guild, and mm-hmm. it's to protect California hemp farmers with all the new regulations that are taking place. Mm-hmm. And uh, I swore I would never start another hemp organization after the HIA, but I saw what happened last year with the marijuana companies and the hemp companies, the hemp associations have teamed up. So you have the hemp, mar- the hemp and marijuana lobby trying to regulate hemp. This just mm-hmm. doesn't make sense. But we're seeing that the marijuana companies, they're coming into the hemp industry because they're publicly traded, they're public companies, so they need shareholder value. And there's yeah. only so much value and business in marijuana now, right. if they could segue into the hemp industry, there's mm-hmm. billions and billions of more dollars for them. So we're Which seeing this happen in every state. Right. Yeah, exactly. More and more bigger conglomerates and corporations are looking into this. I mean, we've been contacted by the likes of DuPont and Boston Whaler and, you know, big companies that are wanting samples and testing, and they, they see the future. Uh, which leads me to my next question is, like, wh- what do you see as, let's just think in terms of utopian future, where hemp becomes this accepted, completely legal crop that has supply chains and manufacturing and distribution and just the whole nine yards dialed in that's supportive of the farmer and of the industry and small mom and pop shops that are, you know, have hemp companies, what do you see as like this future? What, what do you think hemp could provide as far as a future for humanity? Well, first of all, it can provide jobs. If we start going to these rural communities, whether it's in San Joaquin Valley, Imperial Valley, out where the farmers are at and start building hemp factories, because in order for hemp to make sense and be a utopian you know, overlying agricultural commodity. We need processing centers. And and if we start looking at the carbon footprint, you know, what does it cost? What is it doing to our environment? Um, it adds up. So if you go to every town and city, there's a hemp processing mill there, just like, you know, they where they make fibers, where they make paints, where they make clothing, where they make food. And these facilities 
would create jobs. And at the same time, you know, anyone could grow it. Like people grow tomatoes in their backyard. You know, you don't need a permit or a license to grow a tomato. You know, so it's an agricultural commodity. It's not a drug. And so I, I see that eventually the, the stigma or I call it the radioactive, like it's, you know, it's really nice and it's shiny and bright, but don't touch it because, you know, it could hurt you or something. And, you know, I think it's just the next generations to take over. These younger kids are coming along and they're so well educated, way beyond we than we were when we were their age. So they're going to, you know, in 20 years ago, what the heck was everybody thinking? You know, this is, this is one of the plants that's going to save our world, you know, in a sense, you know, if, if Mm -hmm. there is one plant, this is it, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, um, and not just save the world, but it's in all of our food. So when you go to the grocery market, you have your hemp salads and your hemp peanut butters and your hemp bread and, 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 you know, our, our, the American diet is the worst diet in the world, you know, with what we're eating. And so in that sense, not just the jobs in the factories, but consumers eating the food on a mm-hmm. daily basis. It's in every meal. Like you have salt or pepper or, you know, you have mm-hmm. onions and tomatoes. and We have it every day in our diet and it's no big deal, you know. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. So really it comes down to, number one, prosperity, wealth. It can provide a a sense of abundance by providing these jobs and careers for people that not only is a career that is doing something uh, beneficial for the economy, providing value, added value, you know, finished products to help people live their lives, but it's something you can be super passionate about and believe in and feel like you have a bigger purpose in, in the world because you're actually doing something that's in harmony with nature, not destroying it. Um, and then second, you, so jobs, and then second is um, the, the health, you know, so prosperity and health. You, you see that hemp can provide a, a foundation and a future for healthier people, um, which would, I think, ultimately lead to happier people because if we're, if we're not healthy, it's a lot harder to uh, maintain that peace of mind and and be happy. So, um, so having a healthier planet, healthier people consuming the, the seeds and the oil and, and the protein and the um, cannabinoids is, is a way of uh, boosting our brains, our immune systems, making us stronger and, and healthier. So I, I love your, uh, your vision and, and uh, completely back it. That's why we're doing what we're doing. But um, did you have any final thoughts or is there any last words that you'd like to leave for the other hemptrepreneurs and hempsters that are tuning into today's show? Yeah, you know, it, 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 if, you've, if you've got an idea, a product to be made out of hemp, you know, think it out, who's going to buy it, what's it going to look like, and who are you going to sell it to? Is, again, is you going to sell it on the Internet, on your website, or are you going to sell it in retail stores or distribution? And so those are the key aspects and and really motivating people to get into the hemp industry because there's so much we don't even know yet that's coming around the corner, whether it's the the new foods, the new construction materials, the new clothing. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's just, you know, even the last 20 years, it's just finally kick-started. And, you know, we're fighting the government. And now we're fighting our own industry. Like I said, the, the marijuana industry is now trying to take over the hemp industry with laws and regulations in every state. 
And it's dangerous because once they do that, it, it snuffs out the little guy or the little person, you know, um, the farmer yeah. or the, you know, the entrepreneur who's just graduating college or, um, you know, hitting the market with a new product. How are they going to compete against a publicly traded billion-dollar marijuana corporation that's tweaked the law in the state that makes right. it really difficult for you to build this product. And mm-hmm. I see it really clear because I've been doing this my whole half my life, 30 years. Some people mm-hmm. don't see it that way. It's like, oh, well, no, that's okay. Let me tell you, <laughs> you know, my, it, it's, it's, it's inevitable that they're going to take over some part of the industry and it's going to hurt mm-hmm. the smaller people. So, you know, I'm more for the, the startup person, the entrepreneur, the creative person, the health mm-hmm. conscious to get in and, uh, you know, really be part of maybe a group that's going to stop the regulation and make it accessible to everybody so it's not so hard to grow the product and develop exactly. it and then compete with a billion-dollar company. So. I love it. Well, you heard it there, folks. Chris Boucher with farmtiva.com. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's show. Thank you, Chris. I, I really appreciate your wisdom and knowledge and, and experience in the hemp world, and it's just great to absorb your wisdom and share it with our listeners. So just wanted to remind you guys that you know hemp entrepreneurs and companies are, are challenged with so many opportunities and distractions, and uh, here at Hemp Aware, we offer strategic marketing and brand design so that they can transform the world with their hemp products and services and experience the growth, success, and fulfillment that they deserve. So feel free to reach out if you're looking for marketing or branding services or a way to uh, find your ideal clients and help them become customers. We're uh, honored to be of service and look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Thanks again for tuning in. Cheers, everyone. Thank you. We all good?